Well, today is Palm Sunday. One week out from the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And what a special moment it is. Can you imagine the scene? One week out and Jesus is coming on into his capital city on a donkey. You can imagine the excitement that was around as this events had just taken place very, very near to after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. There was this rumor around where everyone was excited about Jesus and they wanted to crown him king. And here he was riding on a donkey. All these people coming before him, laying down palms, laying down clothing as Jesus would make his way into his capital city. Who would have thought that a week later he would have been crucified? Who would have thought that in that moment as he was glorified amongst all of the people that were around him and he was worshipped in that moment that things would change so suddenly that a week later he would be crucified for our sins and then, then again would rise on the cross. What a moment. You know, it says in Matthew chapter 21, talking about that passage, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Can you imagine that? The mode of transport in the day and the culture was donkeys. Can you imagine if I just went amongst the seats this morning and picked up one of your keys and I just began to take your keys outside and you said to me, what are you doing with my keys? And I just said, the Lord has need of them <laughs> and just walked out to your car and drove off. Well, that's essentially what happened in this moment. It had to be a faith moment. It had to be a moment where God had ordained because it just didn't make sense with our natural thinking goes on to say in verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the, on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? I love that moment at Easter where our community asks, who is this? Was he just a moral man? Was he just a good teacher? Was he just somebody that I've learned about in school? Who is this Jesus that we celebrate at Easter time? What a moment for the church to arise. What a moment for the church to invite friends and family to come and to celebrate and to lift on high the name of Jesus Christ. Who is this? The crowds answer, answer this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey this morning. So have a look at the screens right now. I want to show you a video of what that site looks like today. After 
Jesus again referenced his coming death and honored Mary for her faithful act, he finished his meal with his friends. He then did something rather strange. He instructed two of his disciples to go ahead to the next village, Bethphage, and find a donkey. The ancient village of Bethphage is now a part of Jerusalem, but at the time of Jesus, it would have been a separate village between Bethany and Jerusalem. The gospel text reads, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Matthew 21, 2 and 3. I'm here at the Church of Bethphage, a Franciscan church located here on the Mount of Olives. Now, this present-day church was built in 1883 over the foundation of a 12th-century chapel, which itself was built over the foundation of a 4th-century Byzantine shrine. Now, the Church of Bethphage is the location associated with the spot where Jesus mounted a donkey and began his procession into the city of Jerusalem. Now imagine the scene. A large crowd of Passover visitors already had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. By now, many of them had heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and they wanted to see Jesus in person. Many no doubt saw this as a sign of Jesus' identity as the Messiah, and they wanted to proclaim him as king when he entered Jerusalem. When Jesus arrived here at Bethphage, just beyond the city of Jerusalem, he got onto a donkey to ride the rest of the way. In this way, he fulfilled an ancient prophecy from hundreds of years earlier. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. When he did this, the crowds surged to greet Jesus, marking the beginning of the event known as the triumphal entry. (laughs) Isn't it incredible that this scene took place, but was prophesied hundreds of years earlier? This moment just wasn't an accident that they were sent off to go and grab this donkey and this foal and that this would just take place and that someone would just allow them to take them from their, from their care. That wasn't just an accident that that took place. It wasn't just an accident that at that time he came in at the height of, I guess, Jesus' popularity could ride in on a donkey because it was prophesied. It was spoken about that this was to take place. And I love that with Jesus, things are ordered. I love that with Jesus, things are worked out in his timing. I love that God's will has God's way of taking place. And this morning, I want to speak about God's will and humanity's weakness. Who knows that we all want to live under God's will. We all want to fulfill what God has called us to do. This moment on Palm Sunday was ultimately a moment that was the will of God. It was ordained by God to happen. But we can see the weakness of humanity that began to start to rage over those next few days. And what took place was obviously the cross. But that also was the will of God. And God's got a way of getting his will through, even in our own weakness. 
He's got a will of finding redemption and hope for us, even when we mess it up. And I love the fact that that went on and that Jesus obviously ultimately died for us, but then rose again. It was all to take place as Jesus had ordained and organized. And I wonder in your life this morning, whether at times you felt like, hey, there's things that I've messed up on this Palm Sunday. There's moments where you would remember, hey, you know what? I believe God had this for me. He had this ordered and ordained for me. He had the will of God for me in this way. And somehow I messed it up. Can I tell you this morning, God is bigger than our understanding and the way that we work things out. And God has a way of working all things together for good. He actually knew you were going to make that mistake. He actually knew you were going to mess up before you even made it. Such is the grace of God that he has already made a way for us for the sins that we haven't yet already done. And that's the grace of God for every one of us. I love in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, it says it this way. For we do not preach, our, preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of glory and majesty of God, clearly revealed in the face of Jesus. And listen to this. But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation In unworthy, earthen vessels of human frailty. So that the grandeur and surpassing greatness of the power that will be shown is from God. His sufficiency and not from ourselves. We are pressured in every way, hedged in but not crushed. Perplexed, unsure of finding a way out but not driven to despair. Hunted down and persecuted but not deserted to stand alone. Struck down but never destroyed. Always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. Yes, we are weak. But on the inside of us, we carry the power of God. We carry the presence of God in us. And it's like, it's these ugly kind of jars that we can kind of carry around the presence of God. And times we've got frailty, at times we fail, at times we are weak. But we must remember that it's not about our weakness, it's about the power of Jesus Christ. And God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And as we understand that truth and live out the will of God that He has for us, knowing that we will make mistakes knowing at times that we will get it wrong, but God has made a way for us. If we just continue to keep our eyes on Jesus, focus on the power, the presence of God on the inside of us and trust him to outwork it. See, I believe some people, they treat the will of God like a tightrope. They're going along, you see some Christians and they they just don't want to mess it up and then they make a mistake and they just feel like, I could never get back on that tightrope again. They think about the will of God and what God's got for their life as such a difficult, hard thing to be able to accomplish how could i ever achieve the will of god and a lot of christians spend their time living like that and i don't believe the will of god is like that i believe the will of god is clear i believe the will of god is like a path it's like a road that we're called to go on the will of god is more to me about our alignment you think about the 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 wheel alignment of a car when you're starting to, to go off course, when, you're, when you've got a bad wheel alignment, it starts to take you towards one direction of the road. 
Whereas I believe when we've got the will of God in our life and we start to align ourselves with the word of God, align ourselves with what God's calling us to do, keep our eyes on Jesus, that that actually aligns our way. See, a tightrope is, is actually hard. It's difficult to be able to do that. But actually, the will of God, when we're properly aligned, there's an ease to it. There's actually an ease to what God has called us to do as we follow his path, as we read his word and do what he's calling us to do. It leads us to our purpose. There's an ease about it. The other thing about the, the, the tightrope is, is it's kind of an ineffective way to live out your journey as a Christian. Because it seems so complicated, you seem so stressed with just trying to stay on the right path that you can often miss the opportunities that are around you. You can often miss what God's trying to do in your life through, even he wants to use your weakness. Even he wants to use your failures, your mistakes, your tests, so that they can become a testimony. But we miss that when we're just so tightly consumed. I just need to do it. Why don't we just trust God that he knows how to light up our path? So that's an ineffective way. But I find when there's an alignment, it's an effective way. When we actually understand that we're on a road going towards what God's called us to do and we are aligned with that, it's actually effective. And so this morning, I just want to talk about three guardrails that will help you align to the will of God in your life. And the num- number one, the first one is this. Number one, remember, God's will happens God's way. Oh, I wish that wasn't true. I wish it happened my way. I wish that God's will worked itself out with the details that I wanted. Have you found that sometimes God seems light on the detail? It's like God's calling you to do something and then he tells you to step out and do it and start walking towards it. But you're like, God, what is all the details? Could you give me some more information around it? Could you help me know who's going to be involved in it? How it's going to take place? Could you give me the proper thick plan to understand what's going to happen? God just doesn't seem to do that. It's like in this moment where he sends his disciples out, go and grab this donkey in the foal. It'll be cool. Just go and pick it up from someone's place and just bring it back to me. And we read that after the events and we think, oh yeah, that's a great moment. But could you imagine being that, that disciple or those couple of the disciples that were sent out to do it? It was a faith moment. They didn't understand whether someone was going to truly come up and just say, hey, that's cool. You can just take my donkey and take my foal. That'll be fine. Jesus said it, but they just operated on his word. They didn't have all the details. They didn't know how it was going to take place. But they just trusted that it was a moment that God had ordained. That the will of God would take place as we stepped out in faith. And the will of God truly is a faith journey. You know, it says in the scripture that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so the challenge for every one of us is to have that kind of audacity in our faith to say, you know what, I know that God could bring about a miracle. And if he said it, I'm going to be obedient to it. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust God to be true with his word and bring it to come to pass. Have you ever noticed with your kids at times, they have selective hearing? It's just something that I've observed as a... As a young parent, that your, your kids can at times be focused on the TV, be focused on what they're doing, and you're saying, Cooper, Cooper. It's like he doesn't even hear it. He's completely zoned out to what's going on in his, on his TV screen or whatever is going on in his world, and he doesn't hear it. I remember doing the same thing to my parents as a kid. It really is kind of selective hearing. You're just fully tuned out to focus on what's happening. 
And I wonder at times whether we do that with God and the voice of God in our life, the Word of God, what He's calling us to do. At times, it can seem so difficult, so hard. There's not enough detail there. It can seem like, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems like it's going to be a difficult thing to actually outwork. And so we just block it out. But I wonder if we were really attuned to the voice of God and obedient, what kind of miracles would be on the other side of it? The fact that we have Palm Sunday today because a couple of disciples had the faith to trust the voice of God to go and grab this donkey and this foal and bring it back for Jesus. And here we are over 2,000 years later celebrating that moment today on Palm Sunday because of the faith of some people. I wonder about the faith of us today to set up some miracles for the people and the generations to come for us. As we would trace, trust God and say, you know what, I, I just believe God's calling me to do this, and so I'm going to step out of faith and build something that God could use in the generations to come. See, faith is an expectation. It's a trust that God is going to do something. It's like a pregnant woman. There is an expectation a baby is going to be born. So there's preparations that take place for that. There's a cot that starts to be built. There's clothes that start to be ordered. There's all the things that they need to do to make sure that this happens. And and faith is kind of like that. We start preparing for the miracle to happen. Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't see it with our natural eyes, we start preparing because there's an expectation in our spirit. I love in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, I think in our generation today, we have a problem with weakness. As we've read already in the the passage in 2 Corinthians, we are weak, frail vessels. But we carry the power of God on the inside of us. And most of our generation spends time trying to hide our weakness. We spend so much time trying to get the perfect Facebook or Instagram profile picture or add another post that shows our lives are perfect and everything's kind of good. It's just a highlights package. It's not real life. And the truth is we can spend so much time trying to create this image about ourselves that everything's perfect. We can come in our Sunday best. We can talk the best language on a Sunday. We can have our hands lifted high on a Sunday, which is all great stuff. But we're all as weak and sinful as the worst sinner that we could bring into this building this morning. Every one of us have failed. We've all missed the mark, as is the definition of sin. We've all not got it right. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But by the grace of God, go all of us. But the problem is we spend so much time hiding our weakness instead of just embracing it and saying, I'm going to trust God anyway. Even in my weakness, even in my frailty, I am going to have the faith to believe that God could use me. Even in our weakness collectively, we're going to have the faith to believe that God could use us as City Church. That the future ahead is exciting. That there's great things ahead of us to see and believe that God could do something to set up generations to come as we were faithful with what we have right now. As we walk by faith and not by sight. To believe God to do something. Embrace weakness and accept God's power. God's got a way of making things work when it comes to his will. I remember when we moved from Singleton 
here to the Blue Mountains. And we were involved in Singleton. I was in, we were both very heavily connected to the church there involved. We were the youth pastors over a, a few different campuses of churches that we had there in the Hunter Valley area. And we loved our jobs, we loved our time, but then we felt this kind of inkling on the inside that God was calling us to a new season. And so we worked with our, our state executive to find a new place of where that, was, where that was to be. We looked at a few different churches, and then we came to Blue Mountains City Church, it was called at the time. And here we were on a Sunday service, and we just felt like, hey, this is home. It made no sense. We didn't have jobs, we didn't have anything sorted out, but we felt like this is home and felt like God said to us, you need to move. You need to make the decision to move. And so we left everything, we left our jobs, we left our families, we left our friends, we left all of our connections, our, our ministry opportunities, all of those things we left and we came here to essentially none of those things. Came to a church where no one knew us and here we were involved in this church. Now, the practicalities, it sounds great on the other side of it now. Gee, that's all kind of worked out and that's great. You got involved in church and all those things. But those next few years were actually quite difficult years. I had three years where I worked a number of different jobs. One of those jobs where I was planting trees over at Port Botany. And uh, I literally did that in rain, hail or sunshine. And I remember it's probably about 12 months into the move, we were here, we are away from family, away from friends, and here I was on my knees in the dirt in the middle of this big field. We just had a line of people going along, just planting trees one after the other. And it was pouring rain. I was here on my knees, dirt everywhere. And I said to God, what am I doing here? Why am I here when I trusted you to bring me here, I don't want to be doing this. Why am I here on my hands and knees in the rain? I'm cold. I'm grumpy. I've got dirt all over me. God, where is your will in all of this? And that was a weak point. And I think it's one of those moments where God takes your weakness and he does something on the inside of you. It was a journey of a number of things we went through and then opportunities have arisen. Here we are today with the opportunity to lead this great church. I would have never have ever thought moving from Singleton to here that would have taken place. I would have never have ever thought that I was ever the candidate, the person that God would have ordained to do that on my hands and knees in the mud that day with the rain pouring down thinking, God, why? God's will happens God's way. And I say that this morning to encourage you. You may be in a season right now where you feel like just like I was and going, God, how are you going to make this happen? God's will happens God's way. He just sends someone on to go and grab a donkey and just take them and bring them back and Palm Sunday takes place. He just has a way of making his will work out in your life if you would trust him, just align to his purpose and understand the truth. It's not going to happen your way. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He has a way of making his plan take place if we just keep our eyes on him and trust him. God's will happens God's way. The second thing is this. Remember, God's will is founded on God's word. We go back to the passage in Matthew 21. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet." Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. 
I love this moment because it was ordained by God. It was spoken of hundreds of years earlier to take place. And the word of God will always lead you to the will of God. When we trust and understand that, in fact, we can dig a little bit deeper on this. If we go to John chapter 12, it gives us a little bit more insight on how the disciples would have seen this moment. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And listen to this. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. It was actually the word of God that brought them comfort. After Jesus had died, resurrected and left the earth, they could look back on this moment and see it's actually the word of God that their lives were walking upon. That Jesus had ordained this and organized this. Can you imagine the faith and the encouragement that they gave the early disciples that they had no idea what was taking place? When they looked at it at that moment, but when they looked at it and the benefit of hindsight, they could see this was prophesied in what we know today to be the Old Testament. This was spoken about. This aligns with what God had called them to do. And that's what the word of God does in our life. It brings great encouragement. It lifts us in whatever season we would face. It helps us to keep our eyes on Jesus and focused. I love the word that says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to be careful. We don't get these things out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't block out the word of God. Sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't just tune out the word of God because it's leading to the will of God. Oftentimes I can see uh, us as Christians, we can go through seasons where we do this. Hopefully you're encouraging me right now because I can't hear anything that's going on in this, this, this crowd, this uh, congregation this morning. It feels weird to kind of talk in a way where you cannot really hear yourself properly. But here is what a lot of Christians can find themselves in in seasons of their life. Earmuffs are on. God's speaking, but they've created a barrier there. The Word of God is available for every one of us so that we can be aligned to the will of God. It's not there just for us just to uh, hear someone speak about on a Sunday and then put our earphones on through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's so that we would always be open and attentive to listen to what God is doing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's not block it out. You know, the great gift we have today is that we have such easy access to the Bible. That we can open our Bible whatever day. And if we want to live with the will of God central in our life, if we want to have a guardrail that keeps us on course, it's staying in the word. It's reading it for ourselves. It's understanding it and letting God do something powerful in our life. See, it's not just about understanding and studying the Bible. It's about knowing the person. And as you read the Bible, it brings you towards Jesus. It helps you understand him and connect with him. 
I love the scripture in Matthew 4, verse 4. It says this, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's continually proceeding. Are we listening? Are we taking time out to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? The comfort, the guider, the counselor, as Scripture describes the Holy Spirit. Are we taking time to be able to listen to his voice? Where is he leading us? Sometimes we do all the talking and sometimes it's best just to stop and say, God, what are you saying to me today? Open up the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. That's how we stay in the will of God. That's how we stay on course with what God has individually called us to do. And third and finally this morning, remember, God's will is that Jesus would be worshipped. God's will is that Jesus would be worshipped and glorified. It says, going back to the text, that they sang, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As I said before, God doesn't just want to be studied, he wants to be known. He wants us to put him in the highest place, in the highest position in our life. He doesn't just want to be a figure in history. He wants to be Jesus Christ, Lord of all. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be top, number one priority, that we would give him praise and give him all the glory in our lives. If you're starting to find yourself going off track, start giving worship to Jesus again. If you're starting to find yourself losing your spot, just lift him up and give him praise again. And it will realign you to the purpose of God. It was just like those moments where I'm out in the rain, in the the dirt, and thinking to myself, what's going on? But I still knew that God had a purpose above it all. And there's a moment where I've just got to give God praise. And as I just lift him up and just say, God, I don't understand this, but God's will has God's way. I'm going to trust you. God just has a way of realigning you again giving you confidence again, helping you to be able to stay on track. God's will is not hard. It's just a constant alignment. Alignment is our life's assignment, to stay on course with what God is calling us to do. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's the will of God, that you give thanks that you give him praise. If the team want to come back up, I'm bringing this to a close. Matthew 6 verse 8 is the great passage where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And it's very interesting and it's very applicable this morning what he starts to tell them to pray about first. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer starts with praise. Because when you start with praise, it aligns the prayer with the will of God. Because the will of God is always that Jesus would receive all the glory and all the praise and all the worship. And so in this moment on Palm Sunday, what's so powerful about it is here is this crowd of people lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. There's something so significant and so powerful about that that was just taking the will of God to its trajectory, taking the will of God to where it was meant to go, towards the cross of Jesus Christ that would save humanity. Oh, I'm excited about Easter next weekend. 
I cannot wait to celebrate and remember the death of Jesus Christ on Good Friday and then the resurrection power of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And it's a reminder, Palm Sunday, to me that Jesus knew where he was headed. He knew that he was a week out. He knew that he was heading towards the cross, that that was the will of God, that that was the calling on his life to head towards the cross to save humanity. And in that moment as he was being worshipped, no doubt it was a reminder, more worship is coming as I save humanity. As humanity is redeemed and restored, Jesus would be glorified. He would be lifted up. And he knew that it was going to be some horrible moments in the days to come. But ultimately, he knew that his will was that he would receive all the glory and all the praise. See, sometimes we have to find ourselves on a, a firm footing of praise not our circumstances. Our next door neighbor, I'll tell this story as I conclude. 16-year-old daughter decided to try and get an Instagram photo of the sky by climbing out of her double-story window onto the roof. This is our next-door neighbors. And so she kind of climbed down onto the first story and was trying to get the perfect, I think it was like sunrise photo And sure enough, it's dewy and it's wet uh, on the roof. And she slipped off and fell off the roof onto the ground and broke her leg. I was talking to her the next day and I said, hey, listen, maybe take your photos from the firm footing of the ground (laughs) rather than on the roof. And we had a good laugh about it. But there's something true about that in our life. That the seasons that we can go through can sometimes be deceptive. They can sometimes be slippery. They can sometimes take us away from the will of God. And sometimes we have to get back onto the firm footing of praise. The firm footing of worship. The firm foundation of putting Jesus first. Standing upon the word of God and understanding that it's his truth. And it's lifting up him. It's elevating him. That actually gives us the right perspective to see things clearly. To see through the lens the right way sometimes mean we have to get on the firm footing of praising Jesus Christ to realign ourselves and say, you know what? I'm back to what God has called me to do. So remember, God's will happens God's way. God's will is founded on God's word. And God's will is that Jesus would be worshipped. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, we thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you for that key moment in history, Lord, that has shaped destiny and shaped futures, Lord. As people remember, Jesus was headed to the cross for every one of us, for humanity, was the will of God. And even in our weakness, you still made a way of bringing your will come to pass. Bringing it to fruition, Lord. And I pray that today that we would remember that. That you have uh, your purpose for every one of us. And Lord, help us to carry it out. Even in our weakness and frailty, help us to remain on those guardrails that we've spoke about this morning. Remain on the road and head towards where you're calling us. Faithful to your word. Knowing, Lord God, that you can bring about your will even in our weakness. And we trust you this morning with our lives and with our future as you bring the will of God 
to pass in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, I don't know where you are this morning on your journey of faith, but I know as we are a week out from celebrating Easter, as our, as our eyes are on the cross, as our eyes are towards what Jesus has done for every one of us, I don't want us to leave this place this morning without giving an invitation for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I wonder whether everyone could close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. If you're wondering where to start with the will of God and where to start with a life of purpose, it all starts with relationship with Jesus. And that's not hard and difficult as religion tells us. It's actually relationship. It's actually us just genuinely connecting with Jesus. So what I'm going to do is in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer for anybody that would want to respond right now and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Make him your best friend. Make him your center point of connection with the creator of the universe and start an exciting adventure with serving and knowing Jesus. Not just knowing about him, but genuinely knowing him. And so if you're here this morning with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out the front, but if you know this morning, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make sure that I am connected to him, that my future is secure in heaven, but that I know that I've got salvation, that I'm forgiven for my sins. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask you to simply, as everyone's eyes are closed and heads about, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand right now. And so I can see your hand. You can put it back down after I see it. And then we're going to pray a general prayer this morning. So if that's you right now, you need to respond. I want to ask you, why don't you lift up your hand right now and respond in your heart. So you know what? That's me. I need to make that decision this morning. Awesome. Lord Jesus, we thank you. The greatest decision we can make is in knowing you. And Lord, I pray that we would never lose the understanding that our relationship with you is the primary thing. And Lord, I pray that we would see more and more people come to know you, Jesus, in a personal relationship. That this place would be a house of salvation. The next weekend, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that we would see people multiple times make decisions to serve you, Lord God. Make decisions to lay down their life and give it to you, Lord God. And I pray that we would see more and more and more people, friends and family that we know we can think of even right now, connect with the will of God and find Jesus, and find relationship, and find hope. And we ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.